Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. We are back for another episode of Nobody Told Me That, and I have Karen Taylor with me. Karen is in, she's a fellow insurance nerd, so I should just warn you about that. She has a company called Wonderful, and it is in the benefits and eligibility space, and she's doing a lot of stuff in that space. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Teresa. It's a pleasure. I can't wait to hear all the, all the stuff that you do. Karen, tell me a little bit more, like, what are you doing in dentistry? How did you find your way here? Yeah, so um, my father's a dentist, um, which is how I got into the space. My background is actually from Silicon Valley. You know, my father, being a dentist, you know, always tells me a lot about, you know, inefficiencies in his practice. And one of the biggest ones, and I think, you know, a lot of dentists would see this as well, is just insurance verifications. Um, and claim submissions. That process is super manual for his office and many of the offices we've talked to. So during business school in 2016, I actually started a company to help with um, insurance verifications. So, you know, since that time, you know, working on this company, that's actually become wonderful today, which we can definitely talk about. So when your dad would come home, you're sitting around the dinner table and he's just complaining about stuff at the office. At what point did you go, oh man, he's complaining to, oh, wait a second, this is pretty interesting. Because my hus- my son is like that. Like at some point he's just like, oh, this is annoying. And then he'll start asking questions. So at what point did you start picking that up? I mean, the main complaints from you know his side was, you know, how manual all of this process really is. So, you know, his front office staff, you know, it was essentially going to a ton of different websites to get insurance verifications. They were calling the insurance carriers, you know, on a daily basis. They would block off pretty much Tuesdays and Thursdays to call insurance carriers. And they were doing fax backs, you know, kind of old school methods. So we just looked at this space and thought, you know, there has to be a better way. And since I came from more of a technology background, looking at dentistry, it's definitely still in this 1.0, web 1.0 phase, which I'll call, where, you know, each carrier builds their own website and it's great. um, But the offices themselves have to manage eight plus different website portals and they forget passwords. And, you know, it's a lot of manual work to gather this information before a patient walks in the door. You know, on the flip side, if we can get to Web 2.0, there's, you know, what we're building towards is actually a way to seamlessly get this information from carriers directly into a practice management software that, um, you know, my father or his office would use. So, you know, we started talking a little bit about, you know, where dentistry was and, and where it could go with the technology that exists already. It's amazing how far technology has taken us in the dental journey. I know that when you interface with a carrier and with a program, there's something mysterious called API. Yeah. It's mysterious to me because it just is like a magic stick. Like it's a Hogwarts magic stick, magic wand where they just wave it and whoosh, API is working. 
Because I really don't know what it is. Do you mind explaining it to people like me? <laughs> an API is, it stands for Application Programming Interface, but at a high level, you can think of it as a facilitator of data. So data between a carrier and let's say a practice management software. So I can actually describe to you an ideal office experience with insurance, how wonderful and an API can facilitate that. In a perfect world, before a patient walks into a dental office, their eligibility and benefit are automatically checked with the carrier. And that information is directly populated into that office's practice management system. The result you know, of that obviously is there are no surprise bills for the patient because they know how much is covered by the insurance. Providers can collect faster and save time with manual phone calls and entry. And the insurance carrier saves millions of dollars on call center costs. And it just sounds like you know this impossible reality, but in, in actuality, it's not. This technology already exists. On the dental insurance side, they actually already have web APIs that power their provider portals or call centers. So what Wonderful does is we connect to those channels, we standardize that data across all the insurance carriers, and we ensure that it's properly translated across the carriers. Because a lot of times the phone calls are a result of you know, misunderstandings from the provider about what the carrier actually means. And so once we standardize that data and what we standardize it in is an API, we enable practice management software to actually you know, ingest this data into their insurance tables. So directly populating those insurance tables in you know, your PMS system. And so you can think of Wonderful's API as a facilitator of data between carriers and practice management software to enable automated insurance verifications. So that's overall what an API can enable. So when you are talking about getting the benefits and standardizing it, you're not talking about sending it to a call center somewhere where like a group of people are doing it for you. You're talking about it's a digital process? Yeah, correct. It's just a digital process, um, completely automated. There are no phone calls made. This is information directly from the carriers, either portal or backend for their call centers, directly uh, into a practice management system. Okay. So standardizing that is super important. Years ago at the Indetic, which is the National Dental Electronic Interchange, you know what it is. I, I just call it Indetic. It's where a lot of dental geeks come together and talk about the zeros and ones that power the insurance industry. And I remember years, I'm talking seven, eight, 10 years even, they were basically working on a project where it was the 50 top questions that offices would have. And it just kind of puttered. I mean, it was there for a little while. It got some steam, but it just kind of puttered. And the reason I was told it kind of went to the wayside is that there's so many different ways to integrate with the carriers. And if you want missing tooth claws from Acme, but Delta doesn't want to give you missing tooth claws, how do you, you know, bridge that? So at what point do you go to the carriers and say, hey, I need this, 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 and this? And have you been, has that been accepted by the carriers? Yeah, I think what the endemic, you know, kind of top 50 questions really enabled was, uh, you know, at least give us the most amount of data for these top 50 codes, let's say, or limitations. But you're left with this entire, you know, let's say 50% of data that's still missing, right? And the offices are still going to call in for the rest of the information if it's not available through that channel. So that being said, the carriers know that, that the phone calls will result in A, either, you know, the top 50 not being interpreted properly, 
or there's just missing information that isn't available through that channel. You know, if you want to eliminate phone calls, the only way to do that really is two things. One is to get as close to 100% data as possible. You're going to need that because if it's missing, the offices will call in. And then the second is actually having a standardization or proper translation of all of that data across carriers. Because without those two things, phone calls will always exist. So I think the carriers recognize that now. And so, you know, that being said, if we're not seeing a code in our, you know, from our clients that are using our API, we can let the carriers know immediately and say, you know, these are resulting in phone calls. If you add this code or if you add this plan, these phone calls will drop. So it, it becomes this loop or this automated loop that facilitates getting them closer and closer to eliminating phone calls. That's important. So listeners, you should know that that's one of the top concerns that carriers have with us is we cost them a lot of money when it comes to the phone calls, because not only do they have to staff someone to take the phone call, but we ask a lot of questions. So we're taking up a lot of their time. When you bring that up, do their eyes light up? You don't have to explain that, do you? I mean, they get they get excited, I'm sure. Yeah, so let me um, actually talk about one of our biggest partnerships with insurance carriers so I can give you a, a very concrete example. So we recently partnered with Principal Insurance. What they think about this problem in context is that they want their providers to have um, a self-service digital experience that results in literally zero phone calls. And so their mindset as a carrier is we've created a bunch of different channels for the providers to utilize. So they have a provider portal, they have, you know, a way to get a fax back to phone call to even do a chatbot on their website. And for them, they are pretty much agnostic to how the provider uses it as long as it's being utilized obviously they don't want phone calls. So they're trying to get you to do these other channels. One of them actually is an API. So that's through us. And what they're trying to enable is just an automated solution for the provider. Because at the end of the day, if the provider has to log into their website, for, you know, maybe forget their passwords and still have to manually type that information back into a practice management system, that's not an ideal solution for a provider. Mm -hmm. So principal has, you know, kind of took the stance that, if they can digitize as much as possible through various channels, and maybe an API channel is the best way or one of the ways that is great for a provider, they're going to you know, spend time and invest in that. And so I, I'm seeing the carriers start to think more holistically about their platforms instead of just focusing on maybe one or two areas, you know, trying different things to see if that actually solves um, you know, the, the, the call center problem. So that's kind of the perspective I'm seeing from carriers. That's really good. I know that they do spend a ton of money on that, and, and we as well spend so much time and energy. In fact, that's one of the things I tell doctors is you have no idea how much time you are spend, your people are spending and how much that actually costs you. If you do the breakdown, you're paying your insurance coordinator maybe, I don't know, $25, $35 an hour, for example. And they're, I mean, they're just waiting on hold. So you're talking to other carriers, right? And you're trying to make those inroads. How long of a process has it been? Because I think I talked to you a year ago, maybe? or two, Yeah, about a year ago. So in a year, you've had to break down these insurance walls. How's it going? Do you feel like you're, you're getting to 
more of them? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that have just kind of accelerated the timeline for this. One obviously being COVID and the pandemic. Mm. ADA recently highlighted this problem in an eligibility problem letter that they sent to carriers. And in it, it highlights that you know business administrative costs have become prohibitively high. And it's really hard to hire a great insurance coordinator that can do a lot of this work manually. You know, 62% of providers are actually in eight plus carrier networks. So that means they're scrambling to figure out how each insurance process works and getting this data into their practice management system, which I think at the end of the day is, is unfeasible if it's really expensive. So the ADA highlighted this, and we're seeing a lot of carriers now start to think about this problem holistically. I think the, the problem being that you know if they can figure out a channel that can automate a lot of this, their call center costs will go down. There will be happier providers and the patients will get their bills, you know, not surprisingly, great patient right. experience at the end of the day. So, you know, I think the carriers are starting to notice and think about how to solve it. And we're happy to help them think through. They already have existing investments in APIs, first of all, which I think is great. They, they power their provider portal. So it's just capitalizing on that existing investment. And by connecting to us, we already have, um, you know, inroads with, you know, practice management systems, DSOs, and even marketplaces that already are using our API. All we need is just better data and that will reduce your phone call time. So kind of thinking through this dynamic, we're starting to see carriers be more involved and start thinking about what, what does that investment look like? Is that all? You know, is this a different way to think about actually working on this problem? Because I think in the past, it's always been very similar uh, ways of thinking about how to you know solve this problem. And we're trying to kind of create a new ecosystem that hopefully can change the way they think about it. And it's also no cost to the carrier. We're not charging. You know, I think it's just a new way to think about this. So I have a question about practice management systems. So I'll put a pin in that. As far as these insurance systems, I've been told that Delta of California has a very old, archaic system. Their platform is very old. And that is why they're really reluctant to make a lot of upgrades in their digital experience. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard for years and years. Say, for example, that's true. And you, and you may know, so your, your answer may be different. How difficult is that to bring them up to speed? Or do you just kind of put a pin in that and say, look, I'll come back to you in five years when you've upgraded your stuff? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, on our end, at least, we at Wonderful are agnostic to the data types you know, let's say a Delta would have. So we can actually work with any system. I don't know if that's the problem in which they are wanting to partner. A lot of it has to do with maybe it's a business case isn't strong enough or they have other priorities that are a lot higher than maybe eligibility and benefits. I'm not sure. I think there's millions of reasons why you wouldn't want to do this potentially. But I do think that there really isn't a lot of change you're going to need to make on the carrier side. We can work with any backend. It's more... Once that connection's made, you know, what, what does that look like moving forward? Is this worth investing time in and effort in long-term? Because that has to be part of the carrier strategy. I know for principal, they had decided that the API was something they would create internally first to make efficiencies better inside uh, their company. And then they decided to turn externally when they found us as a partner. So many of the carriers will have to make that same decision of, you know, is that the right technology strategy for them? 
we believe it is because that's how medical is going that already banking's in that space. They're already using APIs to power a lot of their transactions. So we just think overall it is the future. Um, so maybe it takes a little bit more push, but you know, wonderful at the end of the day can work with any backend system to get them up to speed. I would love to see that happen the way the medical is. When I go to my pharmacy, when I go to CVS, I just give them my information and boom, they have it. Like there's not even a wait time. Like I, you know, I, they say, go over here and fill your, you know, while we fill your prescription, not only have they checked my benefits, they know it and they fill it. And it's like 15 minutes. It's crazy how efficient they are. And then here are, you know, legions of dental office managers on the phone waiting for dental insurance information. So yeah, that magic wand is very appealing. I, and let's talk about the practice management system part of it. So I know when we talk about the add-ons, like the revenue wells, weaves, solution reaches, all that, they, they do the, the communications piece. If it doesn't go back into the system, like the Dentrix and the EagleSoft, most doctors will just walk. Managers don't even want to deal with it because, like you said, we have to do double entry. So what does that look like on the practice management side? How have you made that work? Because I think I told you this the first time we talked. I'm like, if it doesn't integrate, I don't really want to deal with it. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, if it goes through a patient communication system, like you just mentioned, but it doesn't go into, let's say, uh, a practice management system that might not be the best experience. I do think there's actually really interesting things that are happening that I can walk you through in terms of use cases. So we actually work with a lot of patient communication tools. One of the really cool use cases that they're actually working on is patient intake forms. So a lot of them have the patient fill out a digital patient intake form prior to the appointment. And at that point, they can actually run a eligibility benefit check through Wonderful in real time. And what that actually enables is them to know if the patient even has insurance, first of all. They can mm -hmm. already send a note to the patient like, hey, we couldn't find your, your insurance coverage. Is this the right member ID? You know, they can actually cut a lot of that manual work that the offices faces when they get incorrect information from the patient themselves. So I think there's a lot of mitigation on manual entry already with the patient communication tools. But past that, you know, the patient communication tools nowadays all talk to the practice management system. That's how they schedule. That's how they kind of manage the patient base. And I think of the patient practice management tool as more of a, or practice management system as more of a provider tool for, you know, making sure that their treatment plans are in there, that they're maybe getting paid by the patient and the carrier, things like that. So the information for insurance is also important in there too. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how, you know, it goes from the carrier to the practice management system, but the main way is, or we're helping them fill out those uh, insurance tables. So in like a system in EagleSoft or Dentrix, they will have an insurance table where, you know, it has a lot of co-insurances and limitations and exceptions. Where these practice management systems are now working on, because, you know, almost 100% of data exists electronically from like a principal is saying, hey, we can actually create new tables and new, I guess, limitations so that they're properly filled out. Right now, what's happening is there's just this huge notes section in the insurance table that, you know, an office manager would just write in like missing tooth claws and downgrades. And it's, it's not facilitated in a dynamic way that can actually create mathematical equations and all the actual billing processes after that. It's all still manual to create that end 
what is the bill to the patient cost. Mm -hmm. So that's the beauty of the practice management systems adding these new tables. So we're actually working with um, a few leading practice management systems that cover, you know, close to 40 to 50% of the market. And they are adding new and more and more fields to those tables to ingest this information so that these calculations can happen automatically. My goodness, that would be so nice. Because right now, like you said, we have to manipulate these tables for a posterior composite, we have to put all sorts of different calculations in there because we know they're going to downgrade it to an amalgam. If you're not familiar with what I teach in classes, listeners, you know, if you have an 80% coverage on your composites, I always advise until you get the payment in and you can update your system, bump that down, bump 2390 through 2394, bump that down to 65% instead of 80% because that is what it's going to be. It's going to be much less than 80%. And then that way it gives you a little bit of a higher out-of-pocket for the patient so they're not quite so surprised. So that's kind of an aside. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure, Karen, that people who are listening who've never taken a class, I don't want to assume everybody's taken my class. So yes, the practice management software have been all of, because I've worked with almost all of them at some point, other than Open Dental. I really haven't had much contact with Open Dental, but most of them are wanting to update the insurance experience and again, there's a, there's a lot of archaic programming that's not archaic, but established, I should say, programming, unless you're a web-based program. Now, have you talked to web-based programs and are they, I imagine it's easier to integrate with them? Uh, yes and no. I think, yes, web, uh, obviously any cloud-based web service um, is ideal since we, a lot of our services and APIs, that's the easiest way to integrate. They are much more flexible in terms of uh, opening up more tables and fields. Whether or not they do those things is another concern. But I do think that now with the data from, let's say, a principal and other carriers that are exposing more and more data, they're seeing that, wow, okay, I don't need to just send it in a PDF because the reason they sent it, first of all, in a PDF in your practice management software is because, A, the data was quite limited. You know, you really only could fill out 50% of that table anyways with this data. And B, it just wasn't standardized. You know, each carrier just gave you whatever their output was. So for a long time, the cloud-based and practice management software that wasn't cloud-based would just send you a PDF in your practice management software. Now, though, because it's in an API, they can actually fill out those tables. Um, And so they're starting to add more and more fields. And the cloud-based software, obviously, is more flexible, and and they can actually do this in a faster way, too. Gosh, that would be ideal. (laughs) I would love to just be able to, you know, if somebody's doing a comprehensive evaluation, a doctor's doing a comprehensive evaluation, and it's a missing tooth, I would love to be able to click that as a missing tooth, and then any treatment plan for that tooth, there would be a warning that pops up, please investigate missing tooth clause in the software, but there's nothing, we don't have that. I mean, gosh, I I wish I could gather some of the insurance geek friends of mine and gather some sort of, give them a roadmap of all the stuff that could be helpful just to pop up, like little bubbles that pop up, you know, for our new training people. So I think it's great that you're doing, that you're doing this work to integrate. Now, how you're, you're chipping away at it. What's your roadmap? I mean, are you trying to reach 75% of the carriers, 50%, 80%, like when are you happy that you've accomplished what you want to do? To be honest, we are working on with a handful of them right now to actually get the ecosystem started. I honestly think that just a few of them 
going live with a practice management system that's a leading one will already solve you know a ton of phone call volumes for these carriers. So just starting that ecosystem will already reduce a ton of manual work on the provider side. So I don't think you need a lot of carriers to begin, but I do think to have the automated solution of the future uh, that I'm talking about, you do need to have a significant carrier involvement because the more carriers that are involved, the stronger the ecosystem is and the more likely that a provider will lean on it to automate their in-office in processes. But I, I do think that just a few uh, makes a huge difference already. And it's true because once once you get to a tipping point, the other carriers sit up and they say, wait a second, you guys are saving more money than we are. So we need to talk to you know Wonderful and see what's going on with that. So I, I'm in the office. I'm doing my insurance stuff. Am I interacting with Wonderful or am I interacting with the practice management system and you're just in the background waving your magic wand? So I don't, I may not even notice that I'm a Wonderful client. No, I think the beauty of an API is exactly that. So Wonderful focuses on the data layer that is behind the scenes facilitating data between the carrier and the practice management system. Nothing changes at the front office. So the front office is still using their patient communication tool or their practice management system in the same way that they always have. But now the difference is that those tables are filled out automatically once a patient is scheduled and wants their insurance checked. So it just is seamless in the current process. So nothing changes on that end. How, how is the market for what you're doing? Are you facing competition? So I think right now, at least, you know, we're facilitating that data and, and building those pipes. So right now, as far as competition goes, they have existing systems that you know haven't you know necessarily worked in the past. So I don't know if it can be compared apples to apples, but I would say that we're building a new ecosystem that there really isn't anything like it right now. I think with standalone dental, you know, if it ever gets rolled up into medical down the road, are you then ready for the medical integration? Are you able to tap into that to make it a complete package? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that dental and medical are quite separate, you know, in the insurance side, as well as the just billing of the code side. So what we've learned is they're quite separate entities right now, but there are medical companies working on the same problem. So, you know, maybe down the line, it is a partnership of sorts. I don't think we necessarily have to completely do the same thing in de- uh, medical after we finish dental, but I do think that there is a partnership ability down the line. I think your social socialists, your specialists, <laughs> your specialists are going to ask you what about medical because like the oral surgeons wanting to know what the medical uh, benefit is. Now, unless you're in oral surgeon's office or prosthodontist's office, you're probably not going to, not prosthodontist, periodontist's office. You're probably not going to need that medical information, but what about the rare time that they do? Is that that's something they're going to have to still call on their own? No. So there already exist APIs on the medical side. So that is a matter of figuring out if that code is needed, where that exists. It won't exist on the dental billing side, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist on the medical side. You just need to find the right, let's say, channel to tap into. Yeah. So. I mean, our, honestly, our world is nothing but passwords and usernames and sticky notes. And I'm trying to move everybody away from the sticky notes, at least put it in a password protected Word document. But it would be nice to have a password list with like two or three. And that's it. Are there any plans down the road for claim status checks? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, so the, when we're talking to carriers, um, especially companies like Principal, they're not just thinking about eligibility and benefits. That's just the starting point. 
where they are thinking about is, you know, how do we automate, you know, the whole flow? So from all the way from claim submissions, claim statuses, ERAs, EOBs, you know, EFTs. So this is Mm -hmm. an entire roadmap that we've been building out with these carriers to solve all of these problems. Eligibility and benefits is the start because it is the first contact a office has with a carrier. But I think, you know, these other problems do exist down the line too. So where that technology comes in, you'll see is a lot of the carriers investing heavily in their web portals to make the ability to claim submit and the ability to see a claim status update, right? So we know that that technology exists and it's way more robust than getting, you know, a fax back or some other method like phone call. So we we decided that, you know, if we start with eligibility benefits first with the carriers, we can start to do these other really cool things down the line that will include claim statuses, updates that, you know, the offices are calling for. So yeah, it's really exciting. I'd love to have that come through the practice management system, you know, I and I would much rather, I know other people are like this too, I would much rather check on the online status of a check rather than getting on the phone, because there's no guarantee I'm going to get anybody who even knows what I'm talking about on the phone. So yeah, so having it come through the system is really, really amazing. So you said that the carriers, it costs them nothing. Is it the software then that's that's paying for it? Who's the end user? Good question. So the so Wonderful doesn't charge the carriers to join the network. We d- decided that early on that, you know, we're trying to get as much data slash, you know, help facilitate lower phone calls. So, you know, we don't charge the carriers. That being said, our clients are actually the software companies on the other end that ingest the data. So a practice management system, a patient communication tool, anyone that already sits at a dental office, those are the companies that can plug in our software and immediately let the provider, you know, reap the benefits of an insurance API. So those are our customers and how they pass that cost on to providers. We leave it up to the software companies. Sure. Some of them can, you know, eat that cost if they think it's really important for stickiness for their product. Some of them may pass on that cost if they think, you know, we're actually adding a lot of value that maybe a, you know, physical person that you hire is doing. So it really depends on how they're presenting that to the provider. So we let them decide. I know that they are all looking for better ways of doing the benefit and eligibility, every one of them, because what they're pushing back into the system. So, you know, I'm a user of Dentrix and I play around with CareStack and EagleSoft I haven't messed with in a while, but, you know, every now and then I do because I have my own copy. They They give you a copy for free so you can play around on it. Now, with all of those, they have the ability to do eligibility and push it back into the system. But again, it's not that complete, robust system that you're talking about. So if they were to change over to your system, gosh, if they charge for it, I mean, I understand charging for it because you want to recoup your costs. But that's one of the breaking points for a lot of software is how well they handle the insurance. So I, I don't know. I would hope that they wouldn't charge a whole lot extra. I can understand a little bit, but most of the software are charging already for the eligibility package. So I, I would hope that they would not charge for it, but business is business, right? So <laughs> I totally agree. I think at the end of the day, if it's really saving you time and money that you would have to hire someone to do this or even just errors that happen, right? I think a lot of times, somebody doing it manually results in errors where you know you're billing the patient wrong and then getting in a fight with the patient or 
collecting slow because you missed something on the claim submission. So there, there's a lot of just, you know, manual errors that happen that I think that offices don't realize result in non-payments or write-offs down the line. So I do think this alleviates a lot of that and potentially is worth paying just a little bit more for. For those of the listeners who are taking my classes, you know, they're probably pretty good with estimating. They've known to, to manipulate the tables and they know how to kind of overestimate. So I don't think they're the problem, but I think you've probably seen this. Most offices are not like that. Most offices have issues with estimating and add in the whole, we have a whole bunch of new people that we're training, add that in, and that's a whole different mix. So it's just the training is over and over and over again. When you are talking to the practice management system and they're going to adapt it. So say you, you're, you're ready to roll it out and it's getting into the system. And you already do. But is there any additional training that has to happen on the team side? They don't even see it, right? Yeah, and there's no additional training. It should just automatically populate in that information in the tables. Once you have the treatment plan in, that's how you estimate the cost to the patient portion. Okay. That's automatically calculated with the tables filled out. Yeah, that's that's ideal because I wouldn't want to have to do another training session all over again. So, So is your dad still practicing? He, he actually just retired this year. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Good for him. And he's in, you're in California. Yeah, California. So he practices down in Los Angeles area and we're up in San Francisco. So was he with the COVID? Was he just like, forget it? <laughs> was he planning on retiring anyways? Yeah, no, he, definitely planning to retire yeah, at least in the next two years. So I think with COVID, it just you know, a lot of dentists, I think when they get to the retirement age, I think this year probably was accelerated that. So for him, I think it definitely did. Yeah. I've talked to quite a few dentists who are not at retirement age and they want to retire. So <laughs> I think this year has just caused a lot of issues of all around. So San Francisco, are you near any of the fires that are burning right now? Uh, there are actually a few. So yes. Oh. <laughs> not great. Yeah. All of California has just been hit by wildfires. So that's not- what it seems like. Yeah. I remember looking at, there was somebody's Facebook page this morning. There, she's in Oregon and the the sky is bright orange because that's how close she is to the fires and we're like why are you posting get the heck out of there (laughs) go go to Iowa or something don't stay there so (laughs) not great so with COVID did that stall your talks with all the carriers so yes and no I I do think some carriers um, because COVID is happening you know they might be preoccupied with their more you know telecommunication things and and priority COVID but some carriers also, because they're now investing a lot on their back ends, it's kind of a time for them to sit down and figure out, you know, how do we improve systems? They are actually focused on that. So we, we are seeing kind of a mix um, of carrier interest and also carriers being really busy. So it uh, really depends on who you talk to. There's so many carriers I know that kind of um, slowed to a halt as far as claims processing and talking on the phone with people. So that's been very frustrating. I think we're back to normal now from what I can tell. And God forbid, I hope we don't have another shutdown. That would just be, that would just be ridiculous. So, so what does the rest of 2020 look like for, for wonderful? We've been focused mainly on getting carriers involved. So I've been talking to carriers, trying to, you know, let them know what we do uh, at wonderful and how we can actually help them reduce phone call times. I, I do think the eligibility letter that the ADA sent has prompted them to think about it more. So that's been my focus for 2020 is really getting this ecosystem going with the carriers. 
past that, you know, we're always excited to see, you know, practice management systems, marketplaces, DSOs join our network on the software company side, because the more that are involved using the API that already exists, the faster we can actually get the carriers to, you know, let us in on a lot of more data to decrease those phone call times. So it's a full loop that we're just trying to create um, ecosystem-wise. So 2020 is all about how do we get this ecosystem going? It's funny because you're, you're, I mean, it's not funny. It's interesting, really, that you're look, reaching out to the DSOs to create the leverage and you're reaching out to the carriers to create the leverage. I mean, you've moved a lot in, since the last time you and I talked. So I hope that it continues. I hope that you're able to make this work and I don't have to, you know, I, I'm using Wonderful, but I'm not. I don't know that I'm using Wonderful. When your dad heard that you were going to do this, what was his reaction? I mean, there's always, um, dentists are always really skeptical. I think (laughs) very like, well, it just seems like that's a lot of work that might not work. And, you know, how much is it? Like, it's always about the money. So (laughs) I think for him, he was very skeptical in the beginning. But, you know, what we did as our first uh, minimum viable product was actually build him his office using his patient base, a website that could automate a lot of this for him. And I think once he saw that, it was like, okay, I can kind of see how this could help. And then we used that website with a lot of the other offices that we had called. I think we called like over, you know, thousands of offices and got maybe 200 to use our website. Wow. We used that leverage to get into Y Combinator, which is a Silicon Valley investor that invests in seed companies that are just getting off the ground. Um, So their investments include companies like Airbnb and Dropbox. Mm -hmm. What they kind of focused us on during the time we were there was how do we make this at scale? And that's where the API idea came in. That's why we're focused on building that data layer between carriers and software companies. And from then it's just been, you know, how do we get the ecosystem going uh, with the carriers and the software companies? So you're not piloting dental offices anymore, like you don't need any more dental offices because you're on the back end now. It's a good question. I think what we discovered early on with my dad's office was when we created a website that an office had to go to, it wasn't part of their natural flow for their office process, which made it um, a cumbersome thing to use. Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, kind of the early learnings from that was the software that they use every day should be where we have our software or API. So if they're using a Dentrix, if they're using an EagleSoft, if they're using a Lighthouse 360, that should be where the insurance verification or even claim status information lives. Mm -hmm. Nothing in their process really changes. And so that's what an API can facilitate. And that's why we haven't necessarily sold a specific and direct product to offices, but they will get the benefit of it through a software company they use. What about the other piece of the puzzle, which is the clearinghouses? Is that another uh, customer for you, the clearinghouses? Yeah, it's a good question. So clearinghouses already exist to facilitate data between carriers and the software companies. But what we found was our when we built our first product, we actually built a lot of it using the same technology that the clearinghouses used, which is EDI technology. So that's mm-hmm. what Endemic and all of these um, standards really focus on, which is EDI technology. That's electronic data interchange. (laughs) Just want to clarify that. Go ahead. So EDI technology is what the industry was built on, how data is facilitated electronically. That being said, our first product at Wonderful was actually to use those same pipes that the clearinghouses had used and kind of make this ecosystem 
by actually making EDI super easy for a software company to ingest. So we transformed that data, made it super easy so that with like a couple lines of code uh, and one like less than a couple hours, you could be up and running with uh, wonderful software in your system. So that was our version one uh, of the software. What we learned was just the, the data is limited. So EDI technology can't handle a lot of data. So that's why they don't have procedure codes all the time. They, that's why they don't have limitations or even patient history back 10 years. You know, they only maybe put one service date, if at all. So EDI, we just found to be super limited. And then the second thing was just standardizing the data was really difficult. If you're, you have limited data and the data is represented in very different ways, um, you know, standardization of that is very difficult. So mm-hmm. that was our first version, however. Um, so, you know, companies on the software side started using that, but it's still the same problem. You know, we're, we have to call in for these codes. We have to like, you know, figure out all these questions that we are not appearing in EDI. So that's why when we, we focused there with the clearing houses and kind of saw their space, it was like, there has to be another way. So that's when, you know, we decided to go on the API route. So it's a different channel altogether. The clearing houses still have their functions and will still exist on the EDI side. It just may be limited in nature because of the technology. So let me get really super nerdy here. So what I'm hearing you say is the EDI, the electronic data interchange is a limited amount of space that can travel. So it's like a packet, like a, a, a suitcase, and you can't get bigger than that suitcase. But an API is back and forward flow of information. Am I getting that right? Are there limitations on APIs? Uh, so definitely both sides can can get lots of data. But where EDI is difficult is the, it, the way that it's set up, it's really hard to add new codes. You know, I think they have a standards uh, you know, group that actually approves new codes and different things. So there's a lot of actually just limitations business case-wise of on EDI. Whereas on the API side, updates can happen in real time. Versioning is a lot easier. There's just a lot of data that can flow through. So imagine a entire web portal can now, all that information can be downloaded into a practice management system. That's just a lot more information generally. So APIs can facilitate just a better stream of data. And it's what powers the banking industry and the medical industry now. Yeah, we need to get powered like that. Holy cow. That would be ideal. So yeah, investing in an API, I think, is the future. Um, we just we definitely need to just get there um, as an entire industry. So the big software companies, it's in their best interest to keep their clients happy. You know, they are losing market share to some of the cloud-based and cheaper software companies out there. So I'm hoping that, that that's your leverage with them too, is, you know, keep your people happy. But there are, my goodness, there are so many small companies coming up that they're really interesting to look at. So I'm excited that you have a lot that you could really put, like you have a lot of partners that you, potential partners. No, I I mean, for us, it's constantly about creating the ecosystem. So the better data we get from carriers, the better, you know, experience these software companies can create. You know, we had to start from one side. So we obviously chose the experience that the software companies could use, even Mm -hmm. if it was limited data. So, you know, now that we have these insurance partners, however, with like principal, we can actually start to get better data. So I think, you know, this ecosystem that's being built, hopefully long-term becomes just a really robust pipe and that it really does eliminate phone calls. Because at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, that is what is, is expensive for the carriers and is just super manual for the providers. So let's 
not have phone calls, hopefully. Oh, no, believe me, I would love it. So you've written about this, you said on the blog, right? I haven't been over to, to read it, but I will, and I'll link it. You yeah. wrote up this whole case experience? Yeah. So I have a blog post about the principal insurance partnership. Um, so you can head to our website and take a look at it. I think, Teresa, you'll, you'll provide a link. Absolutely. Just highlights kind of what we're doing with principal and how other carriers can start to get involved. Okay. So it's wonderful.co and wonderful is O-N-E, not not wonderful. It's wonderful.co. And that was something I remember the first time I sent you an email, I was like, where's this .co? <laughs> I sent it to .com. So I don't know who's getting your emails over at .com. But so they can find you at wonderful.co. And I will definitely link it in the show notes. So I'm excited to see where you go with this. Hopefully it'll be seamless. If we could eliminate these phone calls, I would just, I think you'd be a very popular person in dentistry. <laughs> I hope that you can do it. So any, any closing thoughts? No, we're just very excited to be working on this. And, you know, I think my dad would be the first to be excited to use this. So I know other dentists, you know, especially ones that are used to this environment already in other industries will be excited to see that, you know, we're working on it. This technology exists and we are just building this ecosystem to make it happen. So yeah, very excited. Yeah, because honestly, every dentist can use it, even if you're at a network. I mean, you still have to call and get benefits. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I have my nerd fulfilled, my nerd soul fulfilled today. I got to speak on some some nerdy stuff. So I thank you for that. And let's keep in touch. And, and when you get major updates, I want you to come back on and share everything that's been happening. So. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks again, Teresa. Sure, sure. Okay. And dear listeners, as always, I very much appreciate the time that you spend with me on this podcast. Until next time, later. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.